Good morning, City of Angels Church! It is so good to see everybody this morning. How's everybody feeling this morning? Now, Satan doesn't want you to be fired up, but God wants you to be fired up. Let me hear your God roar. Let's say good morning to God today, church. All right. All right, we're ready. It's so good to see everybody. I'm so fired up to have this opportunity to speak to the mighty City of Angels Church. You know, uh, this is actually my first time being able to address the entire church. And people have been telling me, oh, bro, preach the word. Bro, lay them out. Give it to them, bro. One brother told me, kick them in the face, bro. What did y'all do over the Christmas break? I want you to know I consider it an extreme honor to be able to speak to you. God bless you. I, uh, I consider it an extreme honor to be able to address you this morning. City of Angels Church, I understand that you're a very, very special church and people to God. I know that you are the most influential church, not only in our movement, but on earth. And I take my responsibility this morning very seriously. I've asked God to be with me. I've asked him to speak through me. I, I don't even care about what little notes I have. God's going to speak to you this morning. Because you're very, very special to him. I want to thank Tim and Leanne Kernan for their amazing friendship, partnership. Tim is my brother from another mother, but the same father, Jesus Christ. You've been such a help to me. Thank you for helping me heal. Thank you for sharing your ministry with me. Uh, I could never repay you for all that you've done. I'm loyal to you to the death. You mess with Tim, you mess with me. I'm an old remnant dude. I am not to be played with. Let's give it up for our dear Tim for all of the awesome planning for our winter workshop. Thank you all for showing him the respect that he deserves. I'm very thankful for our congregational shepherds. I appreciate the Antalans and the Kirshners so very, very much. Their grace, their courage, their convictions about shepherding the flock. I also love their amazing hospitality. You haven't had breakfast until you have breakfast at the Kernans. Kirshners, excuse me. You haven't had dinner till you've had dinner at the Kernans. You haven't lived until you've had grilled steak, fish, swordfish, turtle, rabbit, anything grilled until you've had grilled food at the Antalans' home. <laughs> you know, I, I, I fast now uh, just so that I can break it over at uh, Tony's house. I say, I'm fasting, I want you to cook everything for me and I'm gonna break it over at your house. I'm so thankful for our super regional leaders. Don't you have super awesome super regional leaders in the City of Angels Church? I, I, 
I love the McGee's. I love Rachel. I love, I love Jared. Aren't they amazing? Aren't you thankful for them, Orange County? I love the Fumbos. Blaze just speaks with the voice of God. If, if you're ever a speaker, you don't ever want to go after Blaze. You know, I, I just love the way he says, Fada. Fada. Like, dang, Blaze. He hears you, bro. He hears you. Quit all that fada. We love the Fumbas. What a joy to uh, be partners with them. We're so excited about the McDonald's being here. We, we got to break Elizabeth in, though. She's got that kind of little America's Top Model walking around here. We love you guys. We're so excited to be partners with you here in the uh, City of Angels Church. I love you, Metro Heights. I hope you understand how amazing the Metro Heights disciples are. Uh, we started with Metro Heights uh, about 16 months ago with about 91 members. Now the Metro Heights region is over 150 disciples. It's an honor to serve you guys. Uh, thank you for the unbelievable privilege that you give him and I to, to be your leaders and to be your servants. Uh, we're very, very honored to be with you. Y'all ready to get down to business? Title of my lesson is Enable Your Servant to speak with great boldness. Now, I know this is a devotional. And uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles over to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 48. As much as I love you all and I'm thankful I didn't have a home, you let me move in with you here in the kingdom of God. I'm very, very grateful for that. I appreciate all the love. Can y'all give me some more love? Can y'all give me some more? I appreciate that. Now, now I want you to know, I, I didn't come here today to make you feel good. Y'all still love me? I came here today to make you feel God. Isaiah 48, verse 17. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God. Amen, church? Who teaches you what is best for you. Some of you thought it was your disciples trying to teach you what is best for you. No, 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 no. The Lord teaches you. Through your discipler and through his holy scriptures, what is best for you. It's he who directs you in the way you should go. When it comes to boldness this morning, it's not me who's going to teach you his ways. It's God. It's not me who's going to direct you this morning, it's going to be God. You know, in college, I baptized two really cool friends. Uh, they both just so happened to be blind. One of them uh, was an old grouchy dude named Carl. Carl was just Mr. Grouchy Grouchy. Lawrence on the other hand, was a much taller guy, you know, and uh, Lawrence had this incredible sense of humor. Uh, he would just joke about his blindness. He was a teaser, and, and he would often pick at Carl all the time. Now, I, I was living in the room across the hall from Lawrence and Carl, and I would often hear scrambling and 
roughhousing going on in the room across the hall, and I would go over there, and, and Lawrence would be picking at Carl and teasing him, and Carl was a little short, grumpy, you know, grumpy blind dude, and, and Lawrence would just go and punch him and run around to the other side of the room and, and start laughing, and Carl would be trying to find him, trying to look over and, and find him, and he couldn't find him, and uh, Lawrence would just be cracking up, and, and I tried to disciple it out of him, but, but Lawrence just kept wrestling and picking at Carl for four years uh, on our campus. But you know, one day, uh, Lawrence, had uh, left his uh, cane in, in his room and he needed to take a shower and the shower was down the hall in, in the dorm room. And, and one of the great gifts about Lawrence, it, Lawrence is he, he was incredible at prayer. You know, and I, I would just hear him across the hall sometimes crying out to God and his prayers were magnificent. And one day he was walking through the halls and uh, going to take his shower, and Lawrence was out there, and, and I could hear him. I could hear him praying that particular morning, and uh, he was fumbling down the hall. He, I don't know why he left his cane. He had his towel on. He was touching along the wall, and as he was going uh, down and down the hall, he would say, "Now, now, Lord, just help me make it to the bathroom. Lord, just help me make it to the bathroom." That's it, Lord. That's it. That's it. That's it. Help me. Help me make it through the bathroom. So I walk out the hall, and I'm watching him go down saying all of this. And just as I come out, he makes a left turn a little too early. And he turned into the broom closet. And he's in there, Lord, you help me make it to the bathroom. And he's fumbling around and feeling around. And, and he goes, Lord, you know this ain't the bathroom. <laughs> I walked on down and he just started cracking up. <laughs> I grabbed his arm and I directed him on into the bathroom and he was able to get his shower. You know, and I was able to help him get there. Today it's God who is going to direct you. I just want to try to help you get there. In the year of boldness, God wants to give us some directions. Turn on over to Ephesians in chapter 6. Are y'all with me this morning? I, I, I do find that I preach better when the audience preaches back to me. I heard that Christianity is a, a, a participation religion. It's a sin to hear something that's true and not say amen. I'm just looking for all the sinners out there. I see, I see y'all over there. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. This is the great apostle Paul who carried the word after Jesus left. In verse 19, Paul said, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I may fearlessly or boldly make known the mystery of the gospel from wh for which I am in chains, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it as boldly as I should. Have you declared the gospel, church, as boldly as you should. Has everyone in this room asked somebody already this year, pray that I could declare the word more boldly. If you haven't, you need to. You're not even ready to start talking about boldness until you've asked somebody else to start praying for you to be bold. One of the things you'll notice as you study the book of Acts is that prayer is always a predecessor of boldness. No prayer, no boldness. Prayer, boldness. So let's just all repent at one time. Go ahead and ask the person on your left to pray for you for boldness all 2019.
Some of y'all don't know your rights from your left. Now go ahead and ask the person on your right to pray for you for boldness all 2019. Now, now church, I want all 900 disciples of the City of Angels Church to pray every day for boldness for the entire City of Angels Church in 2019. Why? Because first there's prayer, then there's what? Boldness. You say, well, what is prayer? Prayer it is a rope that, that down below you pull. And when you pull that rope, a loud bell rings in God's ear in heaven. How many of us are going to grab the rope in 2019 and just pull like crazy? Prayer first, then boldness. Paul said, pray for me for boldness. Well, let's see what the results are over in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. In verse 8, Paul says, he entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. He asked the church to pray for boldness. The church prayed for boldness, and Paul had boldness. Look over in Acts 28. Oh, I'm coming. I'm going to take my time. That's what you do when you've been in the kingdom this long. All these young guys get up here, and they, they rest. They rush your meal. They get up here and rush you right through the scriptures and you don't get to enjoy your appetizer? I'd rather take my time and not finish and leave you wanting for more. Learn from an old godly young preacher. Acts chapter 28. Verse 30. And so we see the results in Paul's life. But let me show you something else that's profound. In verse 30. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And so he asked the church in Ephesus to pray for his boldness. By Acts 19, we see that God has answered that prayer and, and he's speaking with great boldness. But then at the end of his life, the impact of the prayer is still on his life. He's still bold. Don't underestimate how impactful the prayer of boldness can be on your life this year for the rest of your life. This is a prayer we all need. The prayer of boldness can affect your life 20, 30 years from now. An answer prayer can be a lifetime of fruitfulness. You know, um, I, I think for 
I think for a lot of us, we, we underestimate this. And, and I'm excited about this because I automatically begin thinking about the future. And think about what you'll be 20, 30 years from now because of the prayers today. You know, I look at Jonathan and Tay, and I was praying for them over 20 years ago. And I'm seeing the fruit of that prayer today. But what about you? 20 years from now, you're going to still be around. And I want you to know that 20 or 30 years from now, you'll be the remnant. And my grandkids will be you. I'm going to tell them how hard y'all made it for us remnant people. They're going to get you back. You know, 20 years from now, there'll be virtual digital Bible studies. You won't even need your Bible. You'll just have that little cloud pop-up screen that'll just come up there. The study won't even have to come over to your house. Their face will be underneath and, and you'll be like, turn over here. You know, Siri, turn my Bible for me. And, and you'll baptize, you'll, you'll, you'll study with people, but you can't baptize them like that. They got to come over to your house. You got to pull out the horse trough, fill it on up with water, and baptize them. Don't underestimate the fruit of a prayer today on tomorrow. You know, we need an epidemic of boldness in the City of Angels Church. This is our year. This is our mandate. This is our call. Amen? Amen. You know, I want, I want to know, are you bold today? Yeah. Or, or are you cold? Oh. I, I'm sensing a little bit of cold in here. Oh. I'm sensing some cold, quiet times over here. In this corner, there, there's some cold prayer back there in the back, and, and this whole side over here has got cold feet. Brothers and sisters, we're not here to be cold, we're here to be bold. You see, in God's kingdom. You cannot live on just coming to church. You cannot live on just having people pray for you. You cannot live on the amazing relationships we have in the city of Angels Church. God has so much more work for us to do in his kingdom. Boldness was one of the first characteristics that we see in the book of Acts. Turn on over to Acts chapter 1. Jesus has died. The apostles are now uh, in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, they all join together constantly in prayer along with the women and, uh, and, and, the, uh, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with all the other brothers. And so they were still a bit afraid at this point because of what had happened to Jesus, but they're up there praying. So far, we don't see any boldness yet in the book of Acts. But now they're praying. Why? Because prayer comes before boldness. And so they prayed. And by Acts chapter 2, we see that the Spirit comes on, on, on Peter and he preaches the word powerfully. And we see the boldness of God in the scriptures. Produces verse 38, which is why we're all here today. By Acts 3, they get their first persecution. Peter, or Peter and John heal a blind man. 
The Sadducees and the chief priests and all the religious leaders see it. And they come to uh, Peter in Acts chapter 4. And of course we know that the Sadducees were the very ones who convicted Jesus. And they didn't believe in the resurrection. But then turn on over to Acts chapter 4. This is where we find our text. Acts chapter 4. They question them. They're bold. They stand up for God. And in, in verse 43, they put them in prison that night because you, can't, you, you, you couldn't uh, have a trial at night. And so they put them in prison to wait for the next morning. They questioned them a little bit further, and then they released them. And in verse, 20, in verse 23, it says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Why God? Church is telling on the religious leaders. You know, what I, you, you know what prayer is? Prayer really is a child talking to their father. And, 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 and they go back, Peter and John go back to their own people, and they just tell on people, God, you know what they're doing to us? You see this? You know, guys, first thing he says here that, is that they went back to their own. You know, a lot of times we forget our own when we're suffering persecution. We forget to go back to our own when we need help. They went back to their own. We're family in the City of Angels Church. We're together. We're brothers and sisters. You know, there are some in this church who are afraid to say, you know what, you're my family. You're my family now. Oh, I know you still have your old raggedy family. If your family doesn't have Jesus, it's a raggedy family. Let's just get humble about that. I, just because they're raggedy doesn't mean you can't love them. But stop trying to act like your family is all that. kingdom of God is your family. This is your own. And they went back to their own. This takes boldness. Some of y'all, I don't even know you, and you come running up to me calling me brother. I've never met you. That's bold. But you're my brother. Some of you sisters, hey, bro. That's bold. But you're my sister. Bro, you're my uncle in the Lord. Who your mama? Who your baby daddy? That's bold. But I'm your uncle. Bro, you my spiritual dad. Huh? I'm your daddy? I don't even know your mama. No, you're my spiritual son. I'm honored you're my spiritual son. We're family. Wise man quoted, family is someone who has the same enemies that you have. Can I share with you a passage that'll change your life? Now listen, 
This is one of those. I know y'all have never seen it. Even though you read through your whole Bible, you just skipped over it and danced over it, said you had a good quiet time and walked right over this passage. This passage was worth your $30. This passage alone should make you bold for the rest of your life. Y'all ready for it? I'm just kidding. I don't have a passage like, no. <laughs> Turn over to Exodus 23. <laughs> Exodus 23. I'm going to share this with you, and then I'm going to make two very, very quick points. Oh, I still have 20 minutes. I'm going to make one long point and one short point. <laughs> Exodus 23. Now, now, every pen better be out. Write this down. Cut it out with scissors. Put it on your refrigerator when you get home. Put it on your forehead for the rest of the conference. And just walk around with it on there. Exodus 23. Here we go. Verse 22. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemy. And I will oppose those who oppose you. Don't y'all mess with me? Your enemies, your, your, your family is the one who has the same enemies that you have. Everyone in L.A. is excited about King James being a Laker. Oh, we got King James. We got LeBron James. We got King James being a Laker. You know what I'm excited about? King Jesus joining the Causey family. You know what the Kernans are fired up about? King Jesus is a Kernan. King Jesus is a baker. Whatever your last name is, King Jesus is your last name. We're here today because of the boldness of Jesus, Peter, James, and John, and the 12 apostles. Who's going to be here in 2019 because of us? Two points. You got to have a bold walk, and you got to have a bold talk. Micah chapter 4. Micah chapter 4. You got to have a bold walk if you're going to be a disciple. And you've got to have a bold talk. God wants us to walk with boldness. Micah chapter two, uh, 4, excuse me, in verse 2. Many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the Lord of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we might walk in his paths. God wants us to walk in his bold paths. You know, have you ever noticed that you can tell a lot about people by just the way they walk? You ever notice that? You ever make a judgment on a person by just you looking at them and they walk and you go, oh, that person's like that. <laughs> How fast they walk, if they have a bouncy walk, you can tell a lot about that person, right? You know, if they have a smooth, swagalicious <laughs> walk. Isn't that, isn't that true? Isn't that Adam with the swagalicious walk? I don't know what he's looking at when he does this. I think Adam intentionally makes his chin like this. I don't know. You, you notice that in a lean? He put his little bow tie on and... I'm like, bro, you need to quit that swag walking in the kingdom. Aaron Turner's got that athlete walk. (laughs) 
Sharon Kirshner. <laughs> you ever notice how smart people walk? Mike Kirshner. Then there's Kip, the leader walk. Bro, this is the kingdom of God. Then there's Tim. You guys need to stop the shenanigans, okay? Shenanigans, bro, shenanigans. People walk differently depending on what they're wearing. Some of you sisters, when you got your jeans on, you one way. You put on a dress and heels, and you think you're, you think you're Elizabeth McDonald. <laughs> You sisters change when you put on new clothes. You have your jeans on, hey bro. You put your new dress on, hey bro. Don't be hugging me, messing up my new dress. Your walk is important. And tell what kind of disciple you are by how you walk with the Lord. Go back over to Acts chapter 4. I'm just going to give you all a bunch of stuff because, like, I got five minutes. <laughs> just don't have time. I'm sorry. You have to come fellowship with me and we can talk some more. Acts chapter 4. I haven't even, I'm just halfway through my, a third of the way through my first point. I'm sorry. Love y'all. Come to the Metro Heights region and you can hear the rest. Yes. Acts chapter 4 and verse 1 through 3. Uh, and so and they, they heal this guy and, and, why, and then they were so fired up by the guy's healing, people started gathering around. And then uh, in, in, in chapters 1 through 3, Peter and John take this opportunity and start preaching the word. And then out of nowhere, the, the religious leaders and the Sadducees, they, they come and they interrupt them right in the middle of their sermon. This has happened to me before. You know, I was preaching and, and a guy just stood up in the audience and said, hey, I want to speak. I said, sit your butt down. And he did, and I went on with my sermon. But, you know, so they, they, they interrupt them. But what you notice here in verse 1 through 3 is that they were fruitful anyway. They interrupted them put them in jail, but look at verse 4. It says, but many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. You see, the word's going to produce fruit anyway. The butts didn't get in the way. Sometimes our butts just get in the way of the gospel. Many believe the word of God. God is always working hard to bring people in the kingdom. And I think this is something that we have got to understand. Because we think it's all about us. God is always working hard to bring people into his kingdom. 
If we could just open our eyes for a second and look and see all of the work that God is doing to bring a person to Christ. It would blow our minds. I want you to look around this room for a minute. Think about all of the work God had to do to pull this group together. All you did was meet the person when they were open. Then you studied with them for a couple of weeks and they got baptized and then you started running around talking about, I've been personally fruitful, bro. No, you haven't. You can't bear any personal fruit. It's God who makes it grow. Now, what you have been is fruitful, just not personally fruitful. Because you have a coworker who worked way much harder than you did. Way harder than you did. Your little bit, as, as Paul says, was nothing, and you're nothing. I'm sorry. I told you I didn't come to make you feel good. You're nothing. And Paul was nothing, and Apollos was nothing, and John is nothing, and Victor is nothing, and Tim is nothing. Only servants of the Most High God. You know, I was baptized at, at 19 years old. My conversion started the minute I was born. My, my parents tried to have a son for years and couldn't have one, and my mom prayed, God, give me a son, and I'll give him back to you. And John Adam Causey Jr. III was born. And I felt like Kintakute my whole childhood. Like, man, I'm not going back to God. Why'd you get me away like that, Mom? I just want to live my life. I, I want to play baseball. I want to go to school. I want to work for IBM. Leave me alone. And I ran from the church until my dad got cancer the summer of my senior year. It was devastating because he was my hero. And when he and my mom divorced after 22 years, my, my uh, sophomore year in college, I decided to live with my dad instead of my mom. And my dad was, was, was an incredible guy, but he was sinful. I remember waking up at night and cars would just come pick him up and it, it would be women just coming to pick up my dad. One woman was a, was a married woman that, that I knew because my sister was dating her son. And so my dad started dating her, and she was a married woman, and, and her husband was dying of cancer. And my dad was dating and, and sleeping with this woman. I was disgusted. He died. He died in May. In June, my father came to me. He said, he said, son, I, he went into the hospital. We didn't know what was wrong with him. He said, I have cancer. He got what the other guy had. I went on off to school, devastated. By that October, I, I didn't even come home for the first couple of months. In October, I decided to come home to visit my dad. That weekend I came home, I was shocked at how rapidly my, my incredible, dynamic, hero dad was down to 98 pounds. I couldn't even be around him that weekend. I would just see her and her. Finally, Sunday, right before I was ready to go back to, to university, he said, son, come here, come here, come here, come here. I know you've been avoiding me. Come on in here in the bedroom. And he literally took off all of his clothes in front of me. And he said, I want you to see what this cancer has done to me. He said, son, 
God did this to me. All of his lower extremities were swollen and devastated. I was like, come on, Dad, man. I'm not trying to stop, man. I'm not trying to see all that. You can laugh, it was funny. I was like, come on, man. I got in my car in tears, drove back to campus. And that night, my father was gone. That next semester, campus ministry started on my campus. Campus minister prayed, God, lead me to somebody open. You cry more when you get old. I'm just telling y'all right now. <laughs> I never cried when I was young. I was so hard. I was like Adam Zepeda. <laughs> you cry more when you get older. But he said, God, lead me to somebody open on this campus. Lead me to the right dorm. And in that dorm, God, I'm just going to wait for the elevator to open, and I'm going to close my eyes and just hit a button. Lead me to the right floor. Let there be a door open on that floor, God, and I know that's the person that needs to be the first baptism in this campus ministry. He goes into the dorm. It was my dorm, Cromwell Hall. No, nobody was doing anything. This was all God. Gets on the elevator, closes his eyes. He hits the ninth floor. My door is open. And he came in and he said, you want to go to a soul talk? I'm like, quit trying to act black, white boy. What do you mean soul talk? was a soul talk, man. God had already worked on me. My dad was gone. I had made a vow after the funeral that my dad was trying to scare me straight. He was trying to teach me, son, don't do what I've done. Don't live the way I've lived. Look at me. Look at what sin has done to my life. And I was already praying, God, bring somebody open to me. I want to find you. And Greg walked into my room, asked me to study the Bible. I was like, absolutely. Some of y'all think y'all doing all the work. You ain't doing nothing. Just keep sharing your faith and find the people that God has already called. Can I have five more minutes? All right. See, when you cry, you get like an extra 30 minutes. You know what I'm just, just trying to, just trying to teach the young guys. People noticed boldness. Look at verse 13. They took note that they had been with Jesus. You know, during the uh, special last, uh, last spring, I decided I don't want to just give special missions, but I want to be about the mission, and I want to I be about missions, but I also want to be about the mission. And I started fasting and praying, God, I, I want to blow my missions contribution out. And I want to be personally fruitful during this time as well. I want both. Some of y'all just don't ask for enough from God. And I said, God, I, I want both. And, uh, you know, uh, my brother has a, a car dealership, and he's always buying classic cars and all different kinds of things. And so I said, well, I'm just going to go on Craigslist. He said, I asked him for missions contribution. He said, well, if you could find me a type of car that I want, I'll give you $1,000 towards your missions. I'm like, amen. 
I'm like, God, I need to find a Mustang for my brother. And I went on Craigslist, and, and, and I couldn't find anything in L.A., but by, by chance, I, I just, because we oversee the Pacific Northwest, I looked up in, in Portland, I looked in Seattle, and then I said, well, let me look in little bitty nice Eugene. And I, I looked in Eugene, and in Eugene, there was this 65 Mustang, and it was awesome. It was cheap. I, it was too good to be true. I couldn't even believe it. I called the lady. Her name was Candy. I said, hey, I see your car's for sale. She said, yeah, is it still for sale? She said, yeah, it's still for sale. It's still for sale. So we talk, I said, I, I, I want to buy it. How much is it? She gave me this price. I talked her down about another $1,000 from what she had it listed for. And I called my brother. I said, we can get this car. I didn't tell him I talked it down. I said, can we, I, we can get this car for this. I put my 1000 on top of the price. He said, absolutely. See, then that way I wanted him to feel like he wasn't given anything. It was coming from God. He said, absolutely, I'll buy it for that price. I called her back. I said, Candy, deal, done, done deal. I said, please don't sell the car. I said, and by the way, you know, we have an awesome church in Eugene. And I told her all about uh, Brian and Jolie. And, 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 you know, I said, will you please come to church? She said, absolutely not. I'm like, I, I know God, I asked you to be fruitful. And I know it's going to come through this because I pray very specifically about this. And um, it turned out it wasn't even her car. She was selling the car for a lady named Crystal. And she told me that. I said, well, since it's not your car, can I talk to Crystal? She said, absolutely not. Crystal doesn't talk to Craigslisters. I said, well, since I can't talk to her, will you please tell her about our church? She said, yeah, I'll ask her and I'll let you know. I said, well, I'm buying her car. At least she can do is come to church. I got off the phone with Candy. I called Brian. And I said, Brian, I've got my next baptism. I didn't even know she was going to come to church, but I'm going by faith right here. <laughs> Brian, I've got my next baptism. What do you guys have coming up next? He, it just so happened that they were getting ready to have their, bring your, uh, their uh, uh, Women's Day, Unfading Beauty. Perfect. It's this weekend, John. I said, perfect. I've got a girl that's going to come to church. Tell Jolie, be ready to study the Bible with her. She's going to become a Christian. Amen, bro. That's awesome. I can't wait to meet her. What's her number? I don't have it yet. <laughs> I went back home. I prayed some more. I got a call from Candy. She said, I can't believe this, but Crystal's willing to come to your church. <laughs> Crystal came out to church and was baptized a couple weeks later. This year at the GLC, we met for the first time. It was like the color purple. I was whoopee. She was the brother. What a reunion. What a reunion that was. I have so much to share, but I got to stop. I love you guys. Uh, come see me. I've got about nine more pages of notes to talk to you about. God bless you. Thank you for the opportunity. This year.